This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and those difficult blank moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips, and with me is Jim Daly. Hello. Oh, that's, oh, that's the most, uh, that's, that's the least lavish intro you've done for me, I think. I was expecting, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, description or something about the football shirts behind me, but you went straight in there to Jim Daly. Well, we've done football shirts behind you before. We have. So, we have. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Sorry. Anyway, sorry. It was a lovely intro. Um, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, actually. Yeah, not too bad at all, actually. Not too bad at all. Having a, having a good week and, uh, yeah, feeling good, to be honest. What does a good week look like to you, then? Um, lots of time with the family, um, but also, like, work to pay the bills and stuff um mm. but i've had a bit of both this week yeah it's been uh, it's been a nice mix i think it's getting that balance isn't it between sort of work and personal life and uh mm. I feel like i'm just about there at the moment actually which is which maybe is that nice. is the good week the balance getting the balance yeah balance like generally just balance in yeah. life yeah. is you know where we can get so a good week is balance i agree stick it on a t-shirt we keep saying that. I've lost count of the number of times we've said that and what we've said we're going to put on T-shirts. Uh, we do have merchandise available, though. Uh, please, please do buy pod, <laughs> podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank. Um, he so sets them up and he hits them <laughs> Rolls up. it across yeah. the box, taps it into an empty yeah. net. Um, yeah. No, that, but yeah, but I think balance is a, good, is, a, is a good thing to aim for. Not always easy. I, you know, I appreciate that. It's very easy no. to say, oh, yeah, just, just find balance. Like, it's not always easy. But I think when it does happen, nice to... Nice to um, acknowledge it, you know, because mm. I'm well, sure I'm next a week will be off. So I'm a Libran, so I'm sort of constantly. Oh, as in as in your star signs Libra. My star signs Libra. You're a librarian for a second, or no, something. Yeah, oh, I wish. What a great job that would be. <laughs> yeah, be um, I'm a Libran, so yeah. So my star signs Libra. Yeah, so I'm kind of constantly striving for balance. <gasps> of course, mine's Gemini. So am I constantly striving to? 
feed two people at once. Well, that comes up in the podcast quite a lot today. Yeah, it does. As a nice segue into introducing our guest this week. So we've got the wonderful Michelle Ackley on, who is a, a broadcaster, uh, does lots of stuff for the BBC, loads of live broadcasts, done stuff for the One Show, Crime Watch. And she's just a wonderful human being and really enjoyed chatting to Michelle. But we did talk a lot about your alter ego, Jim. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I do. Um, I think actually that's probably one. Boring! Good... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I'm in. I nearly told another story, another work, leaving work story during the podcast, but I, the conversation mm. moved on. But I was, I'll save it for another podcast, but I do have quite a lot of stories about leaving leaving work. I was going to say, the reason that I'm feeling good today is we record these Top and Tales straight after the episode, and I'm actually, because it was such a lovely conversation with Michelle, I'm feeling quite good from mm. that, I think. I think it sort of happens to us quite a lot, but you, you are doing the Top and Tales straight after leaves you in, in quite a sort of a pleasant mood, actually, and feeling quite buoyant about things, and that definitely was the case today. Buoyant is the word I was going to use as well. It's definitely that. I feel very balanced and buoyant. Um, yeah, always feel... There's a slight... I guess maybe it's... Because you get a bit of adrenaline and stuff from yeah. doing yeah. doing it. I guess there's that kind of nice warm feeling afterwards yeah. that's still churning around in you. But yeah, I always feel good after we've had a conversation. I think it's just having a conversation, isn't it? Having a chat with yeah, someone. Yeah, but we're lucky. We get nice... Uh, every week, If unless I know the person beforehand, which is very rare, as in personally, I always feel like, oh, I've made a new friend this week. And mm. that's always a really nice feeling. And we talk about on the, this episode about sort of catching up with friends, don't we, during the pandemic and stuff mm. and those connections. But it's always nice coming away thinking, oh, well, I've, yeah, that's, I never know. At some point I might bump into Michelle, who knows, yeah. through work or something at some point. And that's a, that's a friend that I know. And that's always mm. nice to think that after you've had these conversations. It's only an hour of people's time we're, we're taking, but it's funny how quickly you can make those connections and sort of become friendly with someone over that time but it but it takes them being a warm friendly open person which which she she really is so uh mm. yeah it's, it's a nice sort of nice little post pod buzz i would say well i mean it's one of the reasons why i started the podcast so i could get some new friends <laughs> well you got me i'm or, sorry or, or, mate, or get some friends not even <laughs> new ones <laughs> It's worked. 120 friends later. <laughs> 133. Come on. 130, is that what, really? We're up to, oh, blimey. Yeah, we are we're heading towards 150 through. episodes, oh, Jim. Wow. So are we getting the Obamas for 150 or is that for 200? I think that was 300, actually. <laughs> Still working on it. Uh, but anyway, we do get lots of nice messages as well about the podcast, oh, which is do. always nice. Another a post pod buzz is increased by the fact that we get to look at all these lovely messages that come through to us and we can read some out i've got one yeah. here from penny short um and this is in reply to the, the the episode with emma jones she said enjoyed listening to this podcast so much today on my walk to and from work thank you for sharing your story i laughed and i cried uh with you jim and giles your blank podcast episodes are wonderful I love working my way through them. Thank you. That I mean, what a fantastic episode that was with Emma. She's just one of the best people you'll ever meet. Mm. And that was just, yeah, another episode that left me sort of feeling warm inside afterwards. But mm. um, Penny, thank you so much for that tweet. That's so lovely. And we do, yeah. I don't know about you, like, I'm sure you get lots of lovely tweets on your main feed, but I, I sometimes if I'm like doing nothing or, or 
feeling a bit flat. I do look down. I've got a little on TweetDeck, a little at blank pod column. And nice. it's just nice looking down through the tweets because they're always so lovely. And it does, uh, it can give you a nice little boost actually um, during the day. So thank you to everyone that sends them in. It's very difficult actually to reply to them all because there's sort of so many that come in um, or like them. I do try and like as many as possible. But um, yeah, it's lovely. So please do keep sending them. We, we do... We do really, really appreciate them and we try do. to read all all of them if possible. Um, and I've got one here from Maria. Excellent name choice, Maria. Um, and she says, Gah! Grumpy! In capital letters. So I was almost asleep until all those notifications dinging because I forgot to turn off my phone. I'm awake now. Thanks, Crunchy, for the dulcet tones of my favourite Stephen Fry on Blank Pod to soothe me back to sleep. Hashtag 1am. Hashtag insomnia Twitter. Hashtag insomnia. So there you go. Look, we're providing services as well, um, (laughs) as well as podcasts. But yeah, well, I mean, the Stephen Fry episode is obviously a real corker. That was a a good one. Oh, brilliant. And yes, um, I've used that Calm app before and Stephen Fry does a thing where he's sort of walking through a field of wheat a la Theresa May. May. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) But he's describing it, and it's so calming and wonderful. You get soothes you off to sleep very quickly. He's just got one of those voices, hasn't he, Stephen? You could definitely a person you could get to describe walking through a field of wheat. Definitely, <laughs> I had someone the other day talk, tell me in person who was it that they loved the Stephen Fry episode. Mm, Come who don't it was. Get, often get the live no live feedback. It? I think it was someone that I went to watch Palace last few games. I think it was someone at the pub before Palace game. Um, but I said, well, it was an easy one for us to do because Stephen is such a professional at talking. I think we just said, hi, Stephen, how are you doing? And an hour later, yeah. we're like, thanks very much. Great podcast. <laughs> He's just such a pro. We didn't really need yeah. to do anything. Well, he just had so much interesting stuff to talk about. He obviously, yeah. you know, there's stuff that he wants to to chat about and, and discuss. You know, yeah. discuss is probably the best word to use, discuss. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was brilliant. It's just in awe of sort of sitting there like we're... Yeah, having a, a wonderful conversation, but, you know, just hearing him talk about his sort of views on the world. So that that was Pod brilliant. 100, wasn't it, I think? It was Pod 100. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that, do go back and listen to that and, and any of our episodes, really. We've got fantastic guests for every single episode. So please do delve mm. into the back catalogue if you are new to Blank. And if you are new to Blank, welcome. Hello. And thanks for choosing us. Uh, to listen to today because um, there's a lot of podcasts out there, Giles. So I think there are. if any, every single person that chooses to listen to us, I, I, I really, really do appreciate because there's many, many options out there. But uh, And people are busy. People don't have a lot of time in their lives. So I think if you're no, choosing... No, I know. I yeah. was going to say, we waffle on quite a lot as well. <laughs> well so. yeah, which we have done in this intro. God, I'm so sorry. Well, yeah. I have waffled today. I think we should crack on with yeah. with the episode, really. Um, yeah. Sorry. We every week I think, you know what, let's make it a snappy intro this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but often this is the first time we've spoken in, in a week. So Yeah, you know, exactly. Lot, we jump on for the, yeah, we jump on for the pod and then yeah, it's absolutely true. So it is nice yeah. catching up. I do I would love to see the stats of who hits the for, the, the fast forward ten second button <laughs> on the app. I'm sure people do. Where is the guest? Um let's get into well, the guest. Listen, if you are listening to this and you do listen re- religiously to the intros and outros of this podcast, please tell us. <laughs> we um, need the validation. We need validation. <laughs> we need to be told that it's okay. Or if you think we could trim it down a little bit, we're open yeah. to suggestions. So, yeah, we're, yeah, we're up for yeah any kind of constructive criticism. Constructive feedback we will take if you think we should yeah. shave down the top 10. We're still talking, Giles. Let's get yeah. into this week's episode. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic conversation with the wonderful Michelle Ackley on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> 
no, I'm just no, distracted no. by all the football shirts. Is it behind you, Jim? I d- yeah, I do. Have, yeah. I, I have a slight eBay problem, unfortunately. <laughs> slight. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in fact, actually, this morning I, yeah, I, I want to send one back I didn't like, so I'm working out what I want in place, which is um, don't have the money to do it. Oh, you have to get a replacement, even though yeah, you didn't like I can't it. Send yeah. It. Can't just get a refund. I need to obviously get something. Something what else. What was it? Can you can you reveal what it was? It, it, it was a Brazil. Well, it was a Brazil training T-shirt, which I thought was going to be like a normal T-shirt, but it's like a sort of footbally one, and I, didn't, I don't like the, didn't like the quality of it. As oh. in, it's a bit too um, incredibly niche. Do you wear them out then? Not really. No, I, I, I don't really wear them at all, Michelle. <laughs> to be honest, uh. they, just, they just sort of sit here. I don't well, really it's a lovely background, Jim. My partner supports Thank Brentford, you. so he's just ordered the. Um, Corrupt FM. I don't know if you've seen people just oh, do yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. the Corrupt FM Brentford T-shirt, so he's he's very oh, happy about amazing. that. Oh, <laughs> I'm desperate to see the new movie. I, I as saw well. it. I saw it the other day. It's Have so you? good. Oh. I was laughing out loud. It's oh, brilliant. Amazing. Adore that show. I think it's just so it's good. Nice, isn't it? And yeah, it's brilliant. And yeah, I guess if you're Brentford person you ideally recognize quite a lot of it yeah well he was born and bred in Brentford so he's absolutely in his element at the minute with the film and the Premier League it's there's a lot of excitement in this household I I think they'll stay up I actually think they'll they're doing really well yeah Yeah. and there's something really likable about that club as well that the Mm. manager's got a lot of character and they're just just, he has when they won that first game against Arsenal there was they were sort of going around the pitch afterwards and shaking hands and hugging the fans like it was just yeah I think they want Great a lot of people atmosphere. over that moment. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm one of those that. T-shirts next for you, Jim. <laughs> maybe that's well, what I could replace it with. Palace should do. We support Crystal Palace, which is obviously not, not too far away from Brentford. But we they should do a collaboration of some sort. That's maybe. a really good idea. That yeah. sort of that collab mm. they did. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know who with or what with. But yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. I like those sort of collab ideas. It's creative, cool. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. So Michelle, we normally start at the beginning, which is kind of I guess where you you know where you grew up and and you know school and stuff were, were you did you enjoy school was was school a, a fun time school was a mixed time for me so so I grew up in Manchester uh, when I was really yeah. young and then moved over to um, Cheshire when I was kind of probably around nine ten years old and I'd moved schools um, when I was around 12 13 um, so I moved to an all-girls school in Cheshire, which was lovely, made some great friends. I think, you know, it's interesting when you look back and, and reflect on things. I think probably a few of my insecurities may have stemmed from, from that time. I was the only uh, mixed-race girl in the school, and I remember having a bit of a kind of to-do with the headmistress before I actually started at the school, because she said... You know, you've passed the exam and we're really looking forward to having you, but you can't wear your hair in braids. You know, you've got to have it straight. And my hair's afro, so it's never going to be straight unless I was to chemically Mm. straighten it. And and wearing braids, you know, as as a black person, a mixed race person, is a part of your identity and your culture. So there are always those those bits during my time at school where I I felt very different because, you know, I looked different and there was... There didn't seem to be that support initially. It did change over time. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a mixed bag. You know, I, I enjoyed mm. my studies. I ended up being deputy head girl and, 
you know, got kind of stuck into to my education. But from a kind of social and, and that sense of identity, you know, when you're growing up as a, as a teenager and going through all sorts of things. Oh, it's, it's a really hard yeah. time, isn't yeah. it? It's a challenging time. I've got, obviously, we spoke before, I've got a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they're sort of entering into that bit. And it is just... And all those horrible kind of things start to come back, mm. those memories of insecurity, like you say. And then you've got all that, and then a plus you've got that other added level of stuff that you're getting. And, and, and to not have that support from, like, the head of the school is... Yeah, a head shouldn't be saying that, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, she's not there now, thankfully. But, no, yeah. They, yeah. You, it's, when you're a kid as well, you don't necessarily know, do you? you think? Yeah. It's only when no. I look back and think, God, that... I mean, there's so many things we can look back on now and think, that wasn't yeah. right to say or that wasn't right to do. Yeah. But I think now for, for, for kids, especially with social media, there's there's a whole other element to, to school and identity and comparing mm. yourselves to people and, and fitting in. It just, you know, it comes in cycles, but just something's always slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, I, that, that sounds like you almost sort of started school on the wrong foot. I mean, that's, that's yeah. not a great way to start already, I think. And I think... I don't know. Um, I, I guess things hopefully have got better and have changed, but um, mm. yeah, I don't think a head teacher should be saying that to a new pupil, really. No. But. Well, I remember, I remember kind of sitting there in her office and saying, "But okay, well, would you prefer me to have you know a big afro in school because I'm starting to sense that it's it's not about you know." wearing well for her it was wearing my hair straight having a certain kind of look which was Mm. never going to be achieved by me anyway because I don't look like that you know so um yeah it was it was a a weird time to start with but there was some some great moments and you know I'm still friends with with people from school now which is lovely to you know maintain those friendships over the years for sure it's funny isn't it when you're younger you look up to adults and you think Mm. Oh, they know what they're doing. They make, you know, these, these guys, they've got to the level of adult, it, assuming, you know, some sort of like game show. We've got to the level of adult. <laughs> so they know what they're doing. They know the rules. They know everything. And then you get to an adult and you think, oh my God, they didn't have a fucking clue. They it's just didn't. so true. <laughs> it's so true. I'm like 30, I turned 37 the other month and I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm, I can't even say I'm like early 30s, mid 30s, like <laughs> I'm, I'm nearly 40. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm 37 too, so I'm exactly the same, exactly the same. When you pass 35, it's nearly 40 That's for it. like five years. It's, I'm waking up in a cold sweat, Giles, thinking, oh my shitting hell, I'm nearly 40. I'm an actual adult, you know, I just can't get away with things anymore. I'm really when, trying, but I can't. When, when was the first time that you guys realised you're an adult? I can, I can almost pinpoint my moment and I would have been 24 25 maybe I think yeah I'm quite young that is quite young <laughs> it seems young to me oh, now to I be fair oh damn yeah, I can't it does. it does actually yeah 20s do to me but someone said so to what me was it? someone we wandering around a garden centre some, I was somewhere <laughs> I was somewhere and like I was, I was like queuing behind a, a, a lady and her kid or something and the kid was doing something and the mum went don't don't hassle that gentleman or something, or be careful that gentleman's there. And I was like, I was like, what? Looking behind me, like, what gentleman? <laughs> oh no, she misses me. Oh god. Oh, god. I, so I definitely am. I really look like an adult. Well, that was 
Yeah. For me, it was the other day because I've just moved house and started to like chuck things out and buy bits of furniture. Mm. And I bought um, a shelf from Ikea and a TV stand and I spent two days assembling them by myself and felt so proud. Like I was, I was posting it on social media, look at my shelf. I mean, the only people that do that are fully fledged adults. No one else is going to do that. But I was just like, yeah, this is my life now and I'm loving it. I, I had a similar, I had a si- similar thing. Well, I think it was not that I was an adult, but that I was turning middle aged. Um, was when I was walking along the seafront the other day, and I had my hands behind my back, <gasps> walking along with them oh, crossed. Giles. And I thought, oh no! I love doing what that, you I know. Doing? I love, but I, I, I save my hands before, behind the back walk for a Sunday. I love doing that yeah. on a Sunday morning. I think it was a Sunday, yeah. to be honest. So, I didn't realise that was an adulting thing as well, but it just feels so good. It's like you're strolling. Yeah, yeah I'm a Sunday, and I'm an well, It's like you're perfect. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm purveying my world, <laughs> and no one's going to stop me. I've not tried the hand behind Try the back it. thing. Try it, Jim. Sounds good. Yeah, it feels good. It feels great. (laughs) I'm going to do it from the walk from this cabin back to the house down the garden after this podcast. (laughs) Really slowly. (laughs) Really slowly. You have to to sort of look around, look to the left, (laughs) look to the right. Nod your head a bit. Nod your head. Maybe talk to yourself a bit. Exactly. (laughs) There we go. You've got it. You've got it. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Oh, dear. Going back to school, so you were quite academic and obviously you did really well. Um, did you kind of have any inkling that you would end up doing what you're doing now? Was that something early doors that you were kind of interested in? I was always into drama at school. I remember playing Dandy Dan in Bugsy Malone, uh, Scrooge oh, nice. in Scrooge. Oh, nice. I, lo- I loved a bit of acting, um, but I hadn't really thought about it as a career or, you know, kind of the media world as a career. I remember in sixth form, um, I did psychology at A-level. And that, for me, was the first time where I thought, finding out a bit more about human behaviour and how people tick and different ways to communicate and having a structure of kind of science and experiments around it, for me, was fascinating. Um, And then, so I went on to study psychology at at university. And it was kind of then that I started thinking more about the the media as a a possible, possible career prospect one of my tutors at the time was, I guess you'd call him like a, a media psychologist. So back in the days when, you know, Big Brother had just started and it was seen as this social experiment type thing, he as a psychologist would go on the various kind of, you know, uh, TV channels and, and talk a bit more about body language and how humans are connecting in this very unfamiliar environment. And he was the one that, that got me thinking about this industry as a whole so creative and and actually just using it as a vehicle to understand people better not necessarily become a psychologist within within tv but just having that natural curiosity about people I thought actually well this could be this could be a good industry to go in and that's what kind of started my process I applied for a work experience placement um at the BBC in Manchester along Oxford Road um and got that you know, four weeks uh, work experience placement in entertainment, and that's how the kind of the journey started, as it were. Really, there's there's a lot. Oh, sorry, Charles. 
Well, I was going to... I know this is a bit off topic and it's going back to what you said, but you did Bugs Me Alone. <laughs> we did Bugs Me Alone at school. Did you? And we had... Pro- yeah, and the CDD department made proper splurge guns. Oh. Did you have... I'm did so you have jealous. Splurge guns? You know, I remember asking at the time because I was obsessed with the, the film Bugsy Malone. Yeah, and so I, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to my drama teacher, Mrs. Riddell, are we going to get splurge guns? Because it needs to be a part of my contract. If I'm going to be down to that, <laughs> I need to have a proper That's splurge gun. That's my rider. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, but no, we just had the pies with the, the foam, oh, and that was it. Yeah, not quite the same. Not, not the same. Yeah. Not the same at all. But it was great fun. <laughs> wow, Charles, I'm really impressed by that. <laughs> I know. How did they I work? Actually... Like, did they actually work? Well, yeah, they actually shot. They actually fired. I mean, I, I to be honest, I was, um, I, I didn't make it into the production. I was, oh. um, I had to do. I was like, I had to, I had to like be involved in the teas. I had to like make teas at, half, at the, I was going to say half time then, at the interval. Right. Um, so yeah, so we just got to watch it. But um, That's a yeah, pretty good were working, gig to be fair, isn't it? Yeah, to, yeah, it was quite, it was quite fun just watching yeah. it. To be honest, I did feel like I was one of the naughty kids though, because it was all the naughty kids that weren't in it, <laughs> <laughs> making the teas and just chilling, yeah. watching it. What was the splurge? What was it? It was like sort of foamy stuff. I guess it like, was like white foam. shaving yeah. foam or something. I think yeah. ours was like shave, shaving foam or cream or like whipped cream yeah, or something cream, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, was, I can't. Sorry. Um, I, it's funny. I didn't do any drama at school that I can think. I did, we had a module year eight, I think, that I did for a bit. But it's funny how what, we interviewed lots of different people on this podcast from different industries. But having an interest in drama at school seems to come up a lot. Does it? Mm. Like, yeah, I don't know why. It just seems yeah, to be yeah. a real sort of base for people that end up doing lots of creative things. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, I remember when I first started at this this new school in Cheshire, and, you know, I was quite shy. It's a weird one, really, because I love drama and obviously presenting, but I am naturally quite shy, you know, chatting to people. Um, but I remember starting and, and they put an advertisement out for, you know, people to audition for, for Bugsy Malone. And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to almost, you know, adopt a different persona and be this kind of flamboyant character. And through that, that's how I kind of got got friendly with different people, you know, through the drama group. So it was almost like a, a weird vehicle to, to make yeah. friends, like be the shy one, but then pretend you're not and be in a drama production <laughs> mm. and, then, and then do it that way. That's life, basically, I isn't it? Be it the shy one, but then pretend you're not and then that'll just get you through <laughs> yeah. adult life. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I think that's quite a common thing, though. I think if you're, you're, you know, I think for a lot of people that actors and stuff we've had on, it, they are quite shy mm-hmm. and yeah. reserved, and and acting is a way for them to sort of be able to sort of come out themselves mm. a little bit. I find that with comedians as well. When I've spoken mm. to a lot of comedians, actually, mm. maybe there's an expectation on them to, you know, you sit there and it's like, make me laugh. When actually they're just yeah. again normal people. That it's like the downtime. Do you know what I mean? They're not kind of just on to to make people roar with laughter twenty four seven. Yeah, I think there's I, that'd be that'd be incredibly tiring, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, to just make people laugh constantly. Twenty four seven. No, no <laughs> rest. Yeah, no sleep. Yeah. Just throughout just the, down throughout the I'll pitch that. I'll pitch <laughs> yeah. that to commission. See how it goes down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's. I think we all, whatever industry you do, there's always an element of sort of switching on. I think, like, and mm. I'm sure you've had it as well. There's days sometimes where you think, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not ready for today. I'm not in the mood today. But you know, you have to then suddenly sort of once the camera yeah. starts rolling or, or you know whatever, you have to sort of 
totally. on a bit. And I think that, I guess that is a professionalism, I guess. But I think we all have that to some element, I think. Mm. I heard it yesterday, actually. And I think it's been weird, especially with you know, the pandemic, we've all been working in different ways. I've got mm. used to, you know, doing my job virtually as well as, as face-to-face and maybe not travelling as much. And I had a day of meetings yesterday, what I call, you know, the wanky tally meetings where you go in <laughs> and you're like, oh, hello, I'm amazing, pick me. Oh, here are all my ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just got up yesterday and I was like, I can't do it. I can't psych myself up yeah. to, to be that dynamic Michelle oh you know I'm brimming with ideas and I'm so excited to be I just like oh my god it's some some days it just really feels like an effort and I had to like talk to myself in the mirror like come on get just get in the game here get get yourself sorted get on it get on it like a crazy woman because it is I don't I don't think anyone well some people maybe just have that naturally but for me like you said Jim it's it's very much at times switching it on switching yeah. into that mode and then switching off again at the end of the day did, did the mirror talk work because I've never tried that it, I think it did yeah I mean I'm I I'm very hard on myself so I always come out of meetings thinking how oh, how did that go oh, I, yeah. shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said that mm. I mean I carried on talking so <laughs> I, I'm sure some, right. some of it might have landed but you know we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> that's something comes up a lot again on the podcast is this sort of post-match analysis yeah. that we do with ourselves yeah. after anything really after any conversation I'm sure I'll do it after we've had this <laughs> podcast so, today yeah. but yeah um but yeah is that something that yeah that, that happens a lot for you as well all of the time and I thought you know now that I'm a fully fledged adult who likes to walk around with the hands behind the back and talk well, you to have themselves been for a couple of weeks now a couple of months yeah, now well, this yeah. is it exactly new new to the team I thought I honestly thought like my my younger self that by this age, I would have it all sorted. I'd be so settled in myself, secure, confident. Yeah, not to say in some areas of my life um, I, I'm not, but I still have crippling anxiety. I still have so many insecurities. I still, I think what I've realised now is that I have to embrace that and I recognise it rather than trying to hide it and not talk yeah. about it. It's it's one of those things that, that is a a part of me and I, you know I was speaking to my mum the phone this morning and she's like how are you doing I was like I'm all right but you know I'm feeling a bit anxious I'm, I'm about to do three weeks for for crime watch which is live every day and you know I mean mm. I've done it for seven or eight years now but at the start of the run I'm always like oh am I going to be okay am I going to be able to do it is it do you know what I mean mm. and so my mum it was just lovely speaking to my mum she's just like a proper northern man she's like Michelle right come on now <laughs> and sometimes you need that other person to just be like let's look at the facts you've done yeah. this before you've enjoyed it you get into a good routine blah 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 um and I've realised that that you know when I get to 47 I'll probably be still having these types of conversations that it might have shifted a bit in terms of how I manage mm. it and you know how I embrace it all but it's it's always going to be a part of my life those thoughts those feelings yeah and I think they're I think they're really common I think a lot of people have them as well but I think the important thing as you say is is to vocalize it and tell someone mm-hmm. about it someone you trust mm-hmm. um and then it, it's so true about saying about the facts as well I think once you do sort of because it's, it's emotion versus facts really isn't it but if yeah. you can sort of then focus on the facts you will realize you are you know more than competent of doing all these things but I don't think those yeah I don't think those feelings really ever do necessarily completely go away it's more sort of a management of them and but as you get older you know yourself and you know maybe how you can manage those situations a bit better but it's all a sort yeah. of learning process 
it's a learning process and and you know I always find when I've when I've had those moments even like yesterday going to meetings which is something that I do all the time but for some reason yesterday I was finding it very difficult when I got back home at the end of the day I said to myself I'm bloody proud of you Michelle you know yeah. well mm. done you did it and yeah. I felt I felt good and the old me the younger me probably would have given myself a hard time in that respect well that's something that you should be able to do. That's something that you do all the time. Why, why are you getting to the point where you're coming home and patting yourself on the back for something that you should be able to do? Whereas I think, you know, as I'm getting older, that self-care, that acknowledgement that you have found it a bit tough yeah. and yeah. you've got through it and you're recognising yeah. that and, re- you know, that re- reinforcement of yourself and reassurance, just being kinder to yourself in general, which, you know, Giles, I know you talk about a lot, is so, so important. And yeah. sometimes it's easier to do for others than it is to, you know, to, to do consistently for yourself. Oh, gen- yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking, like, actually, these anxieties and stuff, they like Jim was saying, they do continue. And I think, obviously, we gain experience. Yeah. But then at the same time, those anxieties are, are kind of going to be present because of what, at stake maybe yeah. because as we get older you know it might be that um you know we're, de- we're desperate for money yeah. or, or or you know to you know earn a living or you know you see other people doing well and there's all those things as well so that those things do get exacerbated by the environments that we're in and, yeah. and the world we live but is, in is it also bit. because you care about what you're doing so you you, you yeah, my anxiety well, come from like, i want to be good at the things i do because i care about the things i do so i then put pressure on myself to do well in those things even though i know i can do well in those things but it's because i sort of I care about it. I'm not sort of laissez-faire. I want to do well. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I sometimes find, you know, in those moments where almost I don't feel that anxious and I wake up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good today. There's another part of me that's like, Michelle, but why aren't you anxious? You know, because I, I realise that I'm able to uh, deliver and perform well with those elements of anxiety. Yeah. So when they're not there as much, I'm like, oh, well, maybe you're very good because you, you know, you have those elements of anxiety, and it's keeping you on your toes. And yeah. you know, like you say, you want to do well. So it's 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 always there in in some respect. And I also feel there's a level of kind of empathy attached. You know, now that we all start talking more about how we feel, and you realise that other people are going through it, yeah. it's that connection and that wanting to make sure somebody else is okay because you understand that kind of process, which yeah. is a part of it that's actually you know really special you can reach out and yeah. and share your experiences with other people and help them and 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 you know they will understand as well i think that's, yeah. that stops a lot of people reaching out because mm. or maybe in the past they thought people might think oh what are you talking about but people, people do yeah. you're right the conversation has got obviously sort of bigger which is great i will say i when i was working at a, a old job with, with meetings so I used to work at two two old jobs. One was one was at a local newspaper, which we've discussed many times on the, on this podcast. Um, but I got to the point where I didn't want to. If someone rang my phone at my desk, mm. I would screen the call because it might be someone that I didn't want to talk to or like something boring. So I'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, hi, uh, someone boring." Uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, you get when you're a local reporter, me. you get a lot of yeah, you get a lot of boring council stuff. Like, hello, Seven Notes Chronicle. Is is Jim Daly there? I'll just check for you right now. Hang on. Oh no! Hang on. Who's who's call, who's calling? Someone boring. Okay. 
I'm so sorry he's away from his desk right now. Can I take a message? Someone interesting. Hello, this is Jim. Nice to, how are you? Um, that worked amazingly. And then also, it's amazing how your PA sounds exactly like you. I was yeah. just going to say, did you not put a different voice on I or something? I should have put a different voice yeah. on. Yeah, I should have put a different voice on. In hindsight, that would have probably worked better. Yeah. But also, I did another job a few years later, actually, where we had a lot of meetings. Uh, we used to, it was a... Um, it was a gambling company. I was doing marketing stuff and it was horrible, but I hated it. But we used to have meetings, pre-meetings for meetings. So like meetings mm, where we think, oh, how are we going to... And I just, stopped, oh, I just stopped going. I just refused to go to the meetings in the end. I don't blame you, to be honest. It was... I hated them. It what would the you discuss at the pre-meeting pr- meeting then? Because it would be a meeting about like... Uh, it'd be some sort of marketing meeting or something. So the pre-meeting would be our little team. Maybe, maybe the next meeting would be with a bigger team. How are we going to get involved in this meeting and what are we going to say how are we going to show that we're good at what we oh, do oh, it's such bullshit I hated it so, so, so you stopped going to the meetings and you just stopped answering phone calls did you yeah. get sacked or <laughs> I did leave both jobs <laughs> <laughs> you're just like nah I'm not Although I worked, I left, but not nah. it doesn't sound like you're feeling <laughs> I, <everything laughs> so I did leave honest. both on my own on my own terms but I think possibly like a manager under pressure p- left before I was pushed jumped before I was pushed maybe it's um, very liberating though to just be you know I, I need to do more of that, really, Jim. Don't I just, you know, no, I'm not feeling boring. You know, there yeah, needs bo- to be a but boring. Screen your calls. Screen your calls. Screen your calls. Maybe, maybe do, do a different that. voice, though. <laughs> maybe yeah. take it to the next level and do that in the meeting. That's it, you know, yeah. Boring. 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 Right, I'm, talk to you, I'm talking to you, not you. <laughs> It's very Alan Partridge. I love it. (laughs) Um, But I was going to say, there was a serious point at the end of this. Um, I was going to say that I then did another another job. I worked at a football website called Goal.com. And um, I was a site manager for a bit. So we were the people that when there was breaking news and stuff, we'd have to like make sure the site had the right stories, right headlines and stuff. It was all about, it was all about speed as sort of online news is all about getting there first and making it making it short. And I had an appraisal once with my bosses and they were like, where do you think you need to do better? <laughs> so firstly, everywhere, but specifically <laughs> um, I find I'm not quick enough. I feel like when something happens, I write a headline. I think about it. I think some more, I double check. And then I think, okay, maybe that's right. And I'm about 30 seconds behind. And they said, and the guy's called Stephen. I'll never forget this, Steve. Um, he said, that's not a bad thing, Jim. That's a good thing because you're, Second-guessing yourself is not a bad thing. It means that you really care and you want to get this thing right. Mm. And actually, that extra few seconds can actually make the difference between a good and a bad headline. And that's always stuck with me. And I think I, I sort of use that in other areas of my life as well, where I sort of second-guess what I'm doing. It actually just means that I'm just taking a little second to think about whether I'm doing it right or not. And, that's, yeah, that's stuck with me yeah. for a long time. I, li- I like that, Jim. That's, that's very good advice. Very good yeah. advice indeed. Good old Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Steve Saunders. That was his last name, Steve Saunders. You're not yeah, boring, nice. Steve. We'll no. keep you. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. We'll keep you. <laughs> I was going to say, when you were doing psychology, did, did any of this stuff come up? Like, it, it feels like when we do psychology, I did psychology, I think it was GCSE, so yeah. it's like very basic. But we didn't talk about really about like things like self-esteem and no. anxiety and stuff. It was, it was more like Freud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what I wasn't prepared for in psychology was all the statistics because I am yeah. terrible at maths and that came as a real shock to me. I think, I think going into it, I thought it might be more about, you know, the, the areas that we're talking about, but it was mm. more kind of heavy science and, and maths and, you know, Freud and Miller and, and those kind of things, young um, but yeah, it kind of gave me the interest in it, but but there was a lot of things that kind of didn't relate as much. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think things have probably 
evolved since then because studies are always going on and, and things are changing. There's never a final answer in psychology, is there? There's always, no. well, it could be this, yeah. but there again, it could be this or it could be this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, yeah, how to have a, a job for life? Pick psychology where nothing ever ends. That's and it. Then, yeah. And you're just sorted. So many variables, you just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that, you got a placement at the BBC. I did. And then, yeah, so that, and that, that leads to sort of like an apprenticeship or yeah. something like so, that, was it? Yeah. So I remember applying online because I, I just started looking, oh, you know, what's TV? Like I went on the BBC website and um, applied for a work experience placement. So at the time, it was you could apply for a four week free work experience placement, as in they don't pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it said like, oh, you know, it'll take about three months or so to get to get back to us, uh, for, for them to get back to me. Um, so I kind of timed it in my head. I thought, well, I'm in my third year of university at the minute. I'm doing my dissertation. Um, maybe if they got back in like, if I was successful for an interview in four months, that would tie in with mm-hmm. um, leaving uni. So I applied and then they actually got back relatively quickly they might not have had many applications that that month I don't know and so I went for this interview for the four-week experience placement got got the job um and then I ended up basically doing my degree whilst doing work experience at the BBC it just so happened thankfully that my psychology department was just a bit further along the road on Oxford Road in Manchester so I'd wake up in the morning um going to the BBC do my work experience at lunchtime I'd run to my lecture hall print out all my notes run back do the rest of the afternoon at the BBC go home and then spend god knows how many hours at night like writing my dissertations and and prepping all my work just to to try and pack it all in but I remember the first day like walking through the doors of the Beeb and just and I got my little badge and my little you know my little pass and I thought this Murder, she wrote, was on the big screen in the telly as well. I'm obsessed with murder mysteries. So I was like, this is a good sign. Um, and I just, yeah, I just felt that sense of excitement, really. Um, mm. And after the four-week uh, work experience placement, they asked me to stay on. Um, and then so I was working on this documentary. Then went to work on Mastermind, Question of Sport, Dragon's Den. And I just kept getting extended and extended. Um, so literally from my, you know, university degree... Um, to kind of stepping through the doors at, at the BBC, that's in 2005. That's that's when it started and, and continued from there, which is which is mad, really. I don't, I don't, I have no idea if work experience is still a thing. But that was when I was at university and secondary school and stuff. It was very much the done thing, like you would mm. do, do work experience, and it is. I got my first break in journalism through doing work experience as well. Like it is um, unbelievably beneficial, but I don't know if it's still a thing anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, because people often ask me, you know, um, for advice in terms of get, getting into the industry. And for me, I, I, you know, I literally went on bbc.co.uk and just looked at the website, looked at jobs, applications, and, and took it from there. I think the apprenticeship schemes are probably quite different yeah. now. But I think you're right, you know, even though you, you're not getting paid, it's a four-week interview, yeah. essentially, mm-hmm. isn't it? You yeah. know, it's you're there to kind of get your foot in the door, make as many contacts as you can whilst you're there and also get a flavour for where you might want to go next. Is entertainment your bag? Is it news? Is it sport? Mm. Um, and that's kind of how I, I saw it and just thought, right, whilst I've got the opportunity, I'll just kind of milk it for what it's worth and <laughs> see how long I can stay in the building before they shut me out. Yeah. And it's kind of a two-way thing. Like, you know, it's, it's you seeing whoever you want to do that as well. That is I it. Mean, yeah. 
I remember getting made redundant when six weeks after our first child was born. And I thought, oh, I want to go try and do something completely different. And I, I managed to get a work placement um, at Pinewood Studios at a post-production company. I thought about doing, like, film editing or something. And I went, and it was... I only... I stayed about four days. Um, and it was just... The, like the worst job in the world. Yeah. Really? It was like really. Oh, I mean, no one there had children. They all like they all lived in. Um, I mean, they lived in. A lot of them lived miles away because they, you know, they were desperate to work in the industry. So they all lived really far away to get there. So it was loads of travel. It it, it just and like just looked like really like gutty kind of work and I thought actually I don't think I really want to do this actually there's not as, no as exciting as I, I it's <laughs> not, it wasn't as exciting as I kind of imagined so it was, but that was great I really was so pleased that I did it though yeah. because I had that opportunity to see whether it was for me as well yeah it, you know, like it you wasn't say, just for me yeah. it works both ways doesn't it yeah do you know what I mean to see oh is, is this is this the right fit for me um, yeah which is really useful and yeah I, I definitely felt like that you know there are certain things that I I, work, I remember working on Question of Sport and thinking, yeah, this is definitely not for me. I know nothing about sport. I, I remember going to film the mystery guest sections and there was a guy there oh, and it was David amazing. James. And I was like, oh, he's attractive. He looks like a nice guy. Oh, he's got a lovely dog. He's tall. He was, yeah, he was tall. Yeah, yeah. And he had this beautiful dog. I was, just, I was so interested in his grey dog. And then the producer was saying, we're actually here to film David James, Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the dog isn't the. Uh... <laughs> I need to did, do more research. Did he have any of his paintings out? Did he show any of his paintings? <laughs> show any of his paintings? Oh, Just sorry. talking about football. I'm like, oh yeah, goals. Sorry, what team do you play for? <laughs> so that wasn't for me. I got out quick. <laughs> I think it's um, it, Giles. That's a really interesting story. I didn't know you'd, you'd done that. I think it's really um. It's important sometimes. Can I just caveat? Can I just caveat that the main thing that these this company did was um, they did the post production for In the Night Garden. <gasps> did they? Which I imagine. Yeah. So uh, you know, as anyone who's ever watched that show, yeah. I mean, the idea of watching that show for twenty hours a day, editing it, um, that one of the main editors there, honestly, he th- there was a fault with one of the episodes and he had to redo one and. The, the life just was sucked out of him. I mean, you could see the, the blood draining from his face. Uh, and I'm thinking, this isn't for me. Yeah, I don't think. and often there's no windows in edit suites as well, are there? Isn't, there? You no, know. no, it was a little box with lots of little studios and it was very dim and dark and, yeah. They were very lov- lovely people, but, I yeah, have, just I have a lot me. of questions about In the Night Garden because I have a, Michelle, I have a daughter who's nearly two, so my life has become In the Night Garden. Um Mm. Were they all on drugs? Because it is the trippiest <laughs> show on TV. Look, I mean, I don't know, because it was just the... They were obviously just editing footage um, to make it into a into the show. I mean, the producers were there. They didn't look like they were on drugs. It's very, okay. all very um, surreal. Maybe maybe yeah. that was a caveat, like, for, you know, before you actually work on it, that yeah. you have to partake in a bit of <laughs> exactly. drug activity exactly. to get the, the juices flowing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a highly, highly um, tuned show. So, I'll, you know, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> don't just leave that be there. horrible about anyone in the night garden. But yeah. Wow. So anyway, I just remember thinking it was, yeah, that wasn't for mm-hmm. me. I 
think I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a modern thing or what, but I think like we're all really scared to like get things wrong and make errors, especially like career wise. But I think actually sometimes it's really empowering to say, Oh, actually I tried something. It wasn't for me, but it was, like, it was okay to try it. Like, you know what I mean? I like think mm. we're all sort of scared of going down wrong paths and stuff. Actually, going down a wrong path can actually then leave you in a position where you feel more secure about what you do or don't want to do. So, it's, I think we need to sort of maybe eradicate this idea of sort of fear of failure. I guess I don't know because it's, it's all part yeah. of your your journey. I think you're totally right there, and I do think still, you know, there's quite a bit of work to be done within the the media industry or my, you know, my experience within within telly because it. it it does feel like still there's not that room to confidently say, I made a mistake here, yeah. I got this wrong, I don't feel that confident, I'm not happy. Uh, you know, the pressure is on, especially if you're working in, in live production teams or, or even pre-recorded. Everyone's there, everyone's trying to make an impression, everyone's trying to do the best that they possibly can. It's almost like there's not enough room to to jump off the spinning, you know, spinning machine, the treadmill yeah. and say, guys, I, I'm out. And also to have that duty of care or someone recognise that, well, that's okay. Do you know what I mean? It's like, grin and bear it, get on with it. You know, yeah. we're all in it and you should be lucky. I think yeah. there's still that kind of attitude there for sure. Yeah. I guess that comes... Uh, it's, it's high-pressure environments, I get that, and people are working long hours and, and stuff, but you're absolutely right. And there is that duty of care is such a good way of putting it as well. They're mm. really, really... Especially to sort of junior people, I think, to mm. make sure that everyone's happy. Because surely if you've got a happy team, you're going to get sort of more productivity and better results than if you've got a team of stressed people or anxious people who don't feel like they're maybe sort of making the right contribution. Or Yeah, and it's, it's such a simple concept, really, isn't it, when you say it? If people are happy, they're more productive. But that does seem to go by the wayside when yeah. people feel stressed or they're out of time. Like, we haven't got time to think about ways to make things more comfortable and make things better for people in order to feel happy. It's like, well, we're going to have to put that by the wayside. And it was interesting. I was having a chat the other day. I do think maybe, hopefully, the pandemic has slightly changed mm, things in the yeah. sense that we are realising, it's amazing, isn't it? it takes a big world event to happen, but we are realising that people can be productive in not necessarily that stereotypical way where everyone has to come to an office, everyone has yeah. to sit at a desk, everyone has to do it in the same way. It's like we're all individual creatures who work differently and, you know, work better in so many different environments and can still be productive. And, you know, hopefully that will lead to, to better levels of happiness when we can have... Uh, you know, a more realistic work-life balance, and and still show that we can get the job done. Yeah, I think that has that has. There's been quite a few Twitter threads I've seen of people saying, "Our oh, boss has said, don't bother coming back to the office. We can all work from home." And I feel yeah. I've got I've got kids, and I feel so much happier now. I feel valued as a worker, and I feel great. And then other people replying saying, "My boss is an asshole. He says we've got to be in three days a week, regardless." And it's just mm. it's, it's almost like potluck as to who you work for totally. to, and who owns the owns the company as to then yeah. whether you're going to be happy at your job or not. Which seems That's like it. massively it's unfair. It's mad, that, isn't it? Down to one person, it depends how yeah. nice and empathetic mm. and happy probably they are as a person as to whether it filters down yeah it seems very unfair to be honest I mean, one I of the reasons that I, of, sorry Giles I'm saying one of the reasons I, I yeah, choose sorry. to work freelance I don't know if you're the same Giles but I, that's I like the idea of being in control of sort of I mean it comes with its own anxieties of earning money mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. like that but at least at least I haven't got a boss who is an arsehole well I thought I do but, but I'm the boss you. But, but yeah, yeah um, and you can walk away yeah. exactly <laughs> 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 I'm out. 
this is not Jim, even though it sounds exactly yeah, yeah. like Jim. I am not Jim today. Wow, Thank I you. can't control Jim. He's the worst employee ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's unmanageable. But I think there's. I mean, I think there's. It's proved. Well, not just with the pandemic. But I think there's been there's been studies showing that people can work just as a, you know, if some if not more efficiently remotely um in some respects mm. so i think you know i've got to see it's different for everybody some yeah. people do like yeah. that work environment and going in but um, i think for a lot of people it's it's going to be a, you know they, they're going to need that i think going forward yeah. to be able to do that i found as well at the start of the pandemic um so march 2020 <clears throat> i ended up doing uh, a live morning show every every day which was basically about what was going on um, and, you know, obviously at that time we were all finding out together day by day mm. what we should be doing next. And um, because of the rules and the, and the restrictions, we couldn't have uh, people in the studio to interview or if we could, it was extremely limited and various you know, rules in place. Um, so I remember, you know, initially as a presenter thinking, gosh, this is going to be very different interviewing everybody on a live show over over Zoom. You know, yeah. how how are people going to be You're still going to? be able to get that kind of that that contact and mm. it's that free on something that you yeah. can't really explain when somewhat when you you in close proximity with somebody but interestingly i found with certain certain people that I, were in, I was interviewing you actually got a really well, a better interview a better conversation out of them from a distance because they were in their natural environment yeah. and you could have a mm. bit of a laugh with them you know i remember speaking to Gabby Rosalind, she was in the middle of a garden. I was like, oh, just turn the camera around. And she was in her element. She was showing me all the flowers. <laughs> and, amazing. you know, she was yeah. skipping around in her bare feet. And it was brilliant because, actually, you're taking away from that sterile studio yeah. environment, yeah. putting yeah. them in their home environment. Next minute, a dog's running through the screen. Or, you know, you get to, to chat to the, the husband and, and the wife as well. It's, yeah. It adds a, a completely different element, which I hadn't realised beforehand, you know, as a presenter thinking wow, there's, there's something else here that we've touched on and, and a way to connect, even though we're so physically separate. Yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we found that with the podcast, yeah. Yeah. We, Jim, I think, because we've obviously switched to doing it like this. We used to go up to London and we, we would meet in the studio. But I think... And and it is nice having that, that physical contact with people. But at the same time, like you say, because people are in their own environments, they're able to do it, at, at, you know, at their, at their times as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been able to do things with people in, in, in the US and stuff like that as well. It's made it that easier. I think we have had very candid conversations and I think that was something we worried about to start with, but it, it hasn't really changed how we do things mm. in regards to like how, how the conversations go. Yeah. And I'm yeah. really liking the picture in the back of your shop there, Giles. Like, is that, is that you well, and your one... wife? Or... Yeah, that's on our wedding yeah, day. It's yeah, it's yeah. So we got it polarised and then... Um, I think she painted that one. I've done one as well, but yeah, she painted that one. See, that's lovely. Just, yeah. See, you know, if we were to meet face to face, you wouldn't be bringing that with you, for example. Yeah. So yeah. I would never well, get I to might. see it because <laughs> you carry it around wherever you go, of course. Yeah, yeah. and I would bring forty football shirts with me on the <laughs> yeah. rail as well. That's it. I wish you did no, but do you that. Do get... <laughs> <laughs> but you do. You get a little bit of an inkling into people's yeah. lives to a certain extent. You can sort of see. Oh, they have got that on yeah. there. Okay, that's yeah. It. yeah, they got oh, a nice wallpaper. Yeah, yeah oh, that's nice. I like think audiences like that as well. Like the, for me, I think it, this was during the pandemic. But the best thing that happened was that little girl bursting in when her dad was 
uh, on BBC News. You know, the little oh, girl yes. doing that. And I think yeah, oh, was that, that right was at the start brilliant. of the pandemic. I can't remember. I think maybe I think it was, but that was pre-pandemic, was it, wasn't oh, it? Was it pre- when the mum, when the mum yeah, the mum came in. Yeah, yeah. I think that was pre-pandemic. Oh. But yeah. there was quite a few. Ex- that was that was that was pioneering. That <laughs> that was, was, yeah, it was. <laughs> little did they know. It was. Yeah, um, but there was quite a few <laughs> examples, wasn't there, of, of people doing. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, stuff from home and then kids coming in and stuff and it's just I think audiences really like that you get to see a real slice of that actual person and yeah. also audiences like it when stuff goes slightly wrong as well like it's just it's like just real it. isn't it yeah. do you know what I mean it's real I remember watching um, Graham Norton during the pandemic and they had an interview with Samuel L. Jackson who I absolutely love and I, I got to interview him on the one show a few years ago but, but the interesting Amazing. thing was uh, Graham interviewed him from his home in America, and I saw a completely different <laughs> side to him, and that was because his wife came in on the interview, who I've never seen before, yeah. mm. and basically Samuel just did not get a word in because she just ruled <laughs> the roost. She just looked at him and was like, you know, what are you talking about? It was such a brilliant dynamic, and I was like, oh my god, I've never, I've never seen the side. Yeah. You know, mm. it was so refreshing, and she was just such a character. That is normally obviously behind the scenes because he's the Hollywood A-list star. But yeah. the, the dynamic and the relationship between them, just sat there in the home environment having a laugh, is just like this is awesome oh. and something that you'd never normally get to see. No, you wouldn't. That's fascinating. It's really good. How do you find doing those interviews with big like A-listers and stuff? Do you are you are you okay because you're in the zone of doing work, or do you get a bit? Starstruck. I, mean, I think it's... I think with Samuel L. Jackson I was because I just I've watched all his movies and and he walked mm. in and he just had this amazing like massive coat on. He was just so <laughs> cool and chilled. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, but normally in those environments I do try and keep myself in a in a certain zone. Do you know what I mean? You're kind mm. of in professional mode and you've done all your prep and. And also what, you know, from, from people that I've interviewed, a lot of the time, they're actually so normal. Mm. I remember interviewing um, Danny, Danny Boyle. He came on the one show to talk about train spotting too. And he was the loveliest guy ever. We had, um, like, different VTs uh, in the show and there was one um, that one of the producers had done which was um, celebrating, like, the anniversary of Desert Island Discs. So they just went into the street and interviewed loads of different people and asked them about their favourite music and what memories it evoked. And normally when you've got people on the sofa there, especially kind of the you, you big directors or actors, they're not necessarily watching the other elements of the show. They've got the people or their agents or, you know, the makeup that they're coming in and kind of fluffing them ready for the next bit. But Danny was so engrossed in all the workings of, of what was going on uh, with the TV. And he got quite tearful watching this three-minute VT oh, wow. that was made from one of the producers. And he actually said at the end of it, um, can you get the name of, of who did that? Because I just want to say I thought that was beautifully done. Oh, wow. And at the end of it, he spent another 40 minutes chatting to all these film students that, have, that came into the audience to, to watch, which, again, normally people would, you know, potentially just go and on, on to their next interview. So things like that... It, it gives you a different perspective on people, doesn't it? You know, they're there because they're doing their job, they're there to promote it and have a chat, and it's lovely when you've got a certain kind of image of how a person might be and that's completely broken yeah. down and you just see them as a, a nice lad. Or, oh. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that, those are the moments where you think, wow, 
probably upon reflection like whoa did that just happen that that was amazing yeah. <laughs> i love that so much I, i'm obsessed with finding out if celebrities are nice and i don't know why <laughs> but i just love finding stories like that that they are just think it's and I, I think as well like, it's not like obviously other celebs might have other things going on in their day other things happening behind the scenes they gotta get off or whatever but so it's not like you know he's he's nice he's not but it's just when you find out, oh, Dan, I love Danny Boyle as well. That's that's really made he's my day, so, actually. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it's so great. And I do think it's interesting because we do have this kind of perception of, you know, big stars that if they are essentially normal and say, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. my God, they're so nice. Like, we're just expecting them all to be dicks. Or, but, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I also think that... that Productions do have a part to play in that because I even remember, you know, when I first started in work experience, there's a certain behaviour for certain celebrities within a room changes when that person comes in. Everybody's Mm. on high alert and not acting normal. So for people coming into the industry that suddenly kind of rise to fame, they get used to people talking to them in a certain way, behaving yeah. in a certain way around yeah. them. So then they think, well, this is maybe I need to behave in a certain way. This is what I should expect. And I think sometimes that does breed that that rudeness or that standoffishness or, you know, Absolutely. us and them, that separation um, between the two. I think that happens in sport as well, because I'm also obsessed with finding out if footballers are nice or not. And I think it's the same thing. You expect them to be dicks. But if they've grown up from the age of 15 and everyone's saying, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're so good, mm. then, then by the time you get to 25, you're, you're going to have that kind of weird yeah. energy and aura about you. So you, you yeah. definitely think products, celebrities sort of products of their environment a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, when you find out someone's nice, oh God, it's just, it's delicious. Oh, I love it. It I is, just, oh. it's heartwarming, isn't yeah. it? And then also it doesn't ruin it when you see them on TV after you've met them because yeah. you can carry on watching their things and have a nice smile on your face rather than watch it and be like, you idiot. <laughs> Oh, I'm never watching you ever again. You've ruined my life. That's so true. Uh, That's horrible. You're like you're holding a grudge against this celebrity. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Secretly, just a massive frown on your face, (laughs) watching their film with a massive bag of popcorn. Just I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to enjoy it. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. So, I mean, obviously, those well, those those shows were live. So, and obviously, you did quite a lot of live yeah. um, broadcasting. Yeah. Is, that, that must be quite intense. It is. But it's interesting for me because, you know, like I touched on before, I'm the type of person that I, I give myself a, a very hard time. I overthink a lot of things, you know. And for me, live television is probably when I'm the most present, as in... I'm not thinking of a million different things at once because I can't, I physically can't. I've got to be so focused on listening to what that person is telling me in order for me to have an appropriate response and and be engaged and hear them. Um, That in a weird way, once you're in it, it takes that level of anxiety um, away from me because... My, my mind can't be going hell for leather on so many different things. It's just mm. got to be focused on on the, the, the task in hand. So when I come away from doing live shows, I, I feel a sense of calm, you know, up until it, like all, uh, up, you know, there's the adrenaline beforehand and, and getting, make, making sure that you're prepped and, and ready to go. But when I'm actually doing it, that is, I almost feel like I'm on a calm water and just, 
re- I really enjoy that process. It, it feels actually weirdly good for my mental health in some ways. That's, you know, what I've realised about myself that it, it works. That's amazing. I, I think I think presenting live TV is one of the hardest skills anyone can have, and I think it's I've got so much respect for people that do it. Cause you're spinning so many plates. You got to listen to the interviewer. You got someone in your ear on talkback. You've got your notes. You're having to concentrate on so many things. And I think anyone that can do it well, like like yourself, I think really, it's. A, I it's enjoy a voices skill. in my ear, really. You know, I enjoy people <laughs> just talking to me. I remember one director on a show um, that I was I was working on. And he just used to like playing tricks on you. So it's actually quite similar to you, Jim, because you'd be having a conversation and then the director would just shout, boring. Or <laughs> he'd be like, oh, my God, I don't like her dress. Oh, God. And you'd just oh, be having no. a separate conversation in your ear. You're like, oh, my. Right, you've got 10 seconds less, but just, you know, just finish it now. I've, I've had enough of this. <laughs> Oh no, this is, but I tell you what, it was good experience at the start because you do get certain personalities in your ear that, you know, like to to talk more than others. So yeah, it is kind of like patting your head and and rubbing your stomach or whatever, whatever. That producer wanted to be be in front of camera, didn't he? (laughs) Really? Do you reckon? Oh, it sounds, I'm saying it sounds like he wanted to be in front of camera. Oh yeah, that director, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. (laughs) I can imagine that actually, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you had, I mean, I guess obviously sort of doing, doing live stuff brings pitfalls and stuff. Have you had any moments where, to bring it on brand for the podcast, you have gone blank or, or, or someone else has gone blank and you've had that sort of, that frozen moment or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember, so it was three years ago now, my, my dad passed away um, from cancer, which was all quite, quite quick. We'd been on holiday and then got back and he was feeling pretty ill he got admitted to hospital for two weeks and within that uh, time frame we got told that he had stage four advanced cancer and had six months to live so it was kind of obviously an incredibly traumatic time for for all of us and you know at that time I was working hell for leather and my dad was always like the person that I'd go to 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 chat about any kind of career worries. He was always like my biggest support, my biggest advocate. And at those times where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. He was like, you know, you can. And would always be quite pragmatic and make me think in a different way. Yeah. So when he passed away, I kind of just went straight back to work. I think I had a couple of days off and then literally was, you know, straight, straight into it. And I remember... Um, doing a, a live show, I think it, yeah, it was it was the one show, and we had two chaps on that were promoting a, a programme called Fixing Dad, and it was about their their father who'd had health health problems and, you know, what they were doing to kind of um, make him healthier and how important their family was. And I remember sitting there and just feeling so overcome with emotion, mm-hmm. but also not feeling confident enough in myself to vocalise what was going through my head because actually it's only on reflection that I can really realise what it was. I think I think I was still in a state of shock from what had happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, I remember just kind of having this out-of-body experience thinking, what the, where the hell am I? Oh, shit, I'm on live TV. I'm having a, a conversation with somebody and I, I don't feel like I've got the capacity to, to, to listen to this, to react to this without kind of breaking down. And, you know, within, within live TV, pausing for a second sometimes or two seconds can feel like an age. Yeah. 
And I remember doing that and just thinking, I don't think I can, I can't say anything here. Thankfully, my co-presenter, Matt, he, he was kind of aware of the situation and kind of, you know, stepped in and, and carried it on. But I just, I went blank. I just froze and was just thinking, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be here. I, you know, I, I need to take some time off. I need to take some time away. And then had to get myself back in the, you know, back in the game. But it's a scary process when you go through it as well. Because yeah. at that moment, I was thinking, I don't know how to get out of it. I've got into this feeling and it happened so quickly. Mm. How the hell am I going to get out of it with everybody bloody watching at the same time? You know, it was, um, yeah, quite a frightening moment, really. It's like sort of fight or flight, that moment where you're suddenly you want to just go. You want to get out. Yeah. But obviously you That's can't it. because you're there on, on live TV. But your body is telling you every everything else to, to just run. Exactly. It was, and it was that very kind of physical reaction um, which is almost, well, it's overwhelming and it's something you can't control. And it is amazing how your body, y- your mind can tell you one thing or you mm. can just keep going with your mind or you can tell your mind one thing, but your body at some point, you know, catches up with you and then something will happen beyond your conscious control and you think, yeah, uh, you know, something's going on here. I need to take some time out. I need to address it or, you know, I need to talk to someone. Yeah, well, I'm so sorry about your dad, um, and I hope you were able to take some time and give yourself some space to recover. Yeah, because it is, you know, obviously that is a, you know, a horrible thing to go through. Yeah, um, I, I was for me that was really kind of a, a wake up call, and and like I said, you know, just having the confidence to to say, you know, mm. we touched on it before. I don't feel that great. You know, maybe I've made a mistake here doing this, or you know. I don't think I'm going to give you the the best performance at the minute and being confident enough to to jump off that treadmill uh, and, you know, jump back on it again when you feel the time's right. Yeah, and sometimes when we're we're having traumatic moments, when we're going through trauma, we do try and avoid it. So we we dive Mm -hmm. into what we're used to because we feel like it's, you know, that will... That will cover up everything that I, you know I've got going on, you know. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's, it's easy to do. And I think we, you know, we we'll probably all do it at some point in our lives. Um, so I, you know, I understand that yeah. and, and do empathise with it. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's easy just to kind of, like you say, jump into what feels like a comfortable space at the time. Mm. And I've done that as well, you know. Especially after my dad passed away, it was a real, it was a real time of trying to figure out what actually was making me feel comfortable what was making me feel overly comfortable and actually in the long run wasn't helping me, you know? So so there was taking time out, but then I went through a period of like literally not leaving the house, you know, because I thought, well, this is a comfortable space and I need time Mm. off. And so I just, what I think I was watching Game of Thrones on, you know, back to back on, which is a bit of a traumatic thing to watch when you're (laughs) grieving anyway. Do you know what I mean? Just people like, I was like, what am I I do but then it got to the point where it was like I don't think this is actually helping maybe I'd need no. a sense of routine and to push myself yeah. out of this because I could easily stay in here for the next three months and not go out again you know so it's it's taking that time to to work out what does make you feel comfortable but almost not too comfortable that you get stuck in a cycle that's unhealthy for you that you can't get out of and that's where it helps again to talk to other people and yeah. get perspective and someone else see something a bit more objectively and think okay well maybe maybe you need to do this or let's go for a walk here or maybe you could do a bit of work here you know 
Yeah, and it, it gets said a lot, doesn't it, these days, quite rightly, that t- talking to people helps. But it, 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 it's a cliche because it's true. Like, it's so true. Mm. And whether that is someone in a professional capacity or a best friend or, yeah. or someone who knows you, it, 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 it's never... It's never. It's oh, I found anyway. Certainly, and I obviously can't speak for everyone. It's never. It's never a bad thing to do. You it always feels like there's a, a weight comes off, or as you say, you see, see a different perspective. It, it even if it's a really quick WhatsApp or a quick a quick mm. message, mm. it always. It always. I found it's always been really helpful. Yeah, I, I. I was definitely you know when I was younger the type of person that wouldn't really speak that much about how I was feeling. Just that classic. Oh yeah, I'm fine. Mm. I'd always. I'd always be the one that would listen but I would never kind of contribute how I was feeling, which really is kind of unfair, yeah. really, to, yeah. to that other person as well, because it needs to be, you know, a, a mutual exchange. I think that's what helps us all when we feel like yeah. we, we can relate. Um, but even, you know, since the pandemic, it, it's interesting how, you know, myself and my, my friends, we've all <clears throat> reached out to people in, in different ways. Like even this morning... I don't know about you guys, but I've got so used to using um, WhatsApp voice notes <laughs> yeah, yeah, on my yeah. phone. Because can't be bo- I can't even be bothered to type anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually really lovely because, you know, I'm yeah. not see- I've still not seen some of my friends, you know, since pre-pandemic. And just to hear <clears throat> hear their voice on the, on the other end of the phone and then, you know, drop them one back, it's, it's really nice. And it, it is that kind of... You can tell sometimes in somebody's voice when they say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. It's different to a message or an email. And then you can react and respond and say, right, okay, what, you know, what's going on? Let's book in to have a proper chat or a Zoom or whatever. So it is kind of just keeping that that connection going. And even a small I'm fine can, can tell you how someone's really feeling, you know, in the sound of their voice. Absolutely. Do you guys think weirdly sort of the pandemic and the lockdown and being away from each other has in a way brought us closer to people? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I think, well, I think it's made us probably more selective as well. Uh, you know, you've heard this. Some people blame the pandemic. Oh, I can't, can't meet because of the pandemic. <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah. But, you know, it's always good to have a bit of a cleanse and a refresh sometimes, <laughs> isn't it? When you realise actually those friends aren't really friends. You can't actually be asked meeting them. It's like pandemic. Just Sorry, use the mate. pandemic. Yeah. Oh, I've been, yeah. been pinged. Sorry, I've been pinged. <laughs> yeah. so I can't. Exactly. Yeah. But then for those people that you, you really want to connect with, you do. I think. Well, it certainly made me realise. You know, those uh, those friendships that that mean the most to me. I've really made an effort to yeah. to continue. And even though we've not seen each other face to face for a while, I feel like we have grown closer because we're speaking nearly every other day. You yeah. know, which is because yeah. we both want to maintain it. You just, there's that fear of kind of we've all kind of you know lost in different ways because of the pandemic, and you don't want to lose those things that mean so much to you so you're trying to make more of an effort to to Mm. keep them alive oh i wholeheartedly agree yeah i've did a lot of that just sending messages out during the pandemic just to people just to just to keep that connection going and it was lovely it's lovely hearing back from people and and um, and then, like you say, you can whittle out the ones that don't yeah. answer. Charles is very good. I'm oh, sorry, Charles is very very good at that. He was sending out care packages to friends over WhatsApp. We which really? Was, yeah, he's Charles is yeah. very 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 good at that. Yeah. That's so. What what's included in a care package? 
Oh, I'll send you it. It's a digital care package. It's got all sorts in it. That's amazing, that. It's got um, little games. It's got uh, adult colouring in. Um, there's some. There's a. There's a. An episode of the best of blank volume one. What, else <laughs> what is more in do you need? Wicked. Yeah. That some, is some wicked. Ding bats. There's all sorts of stuff in it. Oh, I love how that. to play. How to play shithead. Do you remember shithead? <laughs> what sh- is that the one they put the forehead on you? No, it's the. It's a card game. <laughs> oh. Um, don't yeah. remember that one. So yeah, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> Well, no, well, you don't need to. I'm going to send you the instructions in the digital care package. Now I've got the care package. package. It's, it's great. Thank you. I look forward to that. You're very welcome. I'll send it over. Did you find when you that... came out of the pandemic, though, that actually when you were meeting people face-to-face, you forgot how to, like, normally socialise? <laughs> mm, yeah. Like, just yeah. forgot how to, to behave and... I don't know. I'm still coming to terms with that sometimes with people that I've not met for a while. Like, oh. Who speaks now and oh, how do yeah. I sit and just the, the post match analysis went like doubled yeah. up, like you know, afterwards thinking, oh no, I was terrible in that conversation. Yeah, but the other person would be what... thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it has been. It has been a bit weird, but I think we're all. I think we're all probably thinking the same things. All, all doing yeah. the same analysis. All probably having the same that's slight it. anxieties about it, and we'll get there. It's going to be a slow process because we're, we're we're sort of out of it, but sort of dealing with the tail end of it i guess mm. in a way aren't we so it's gonna i be, tell you um, what weird. i miss from it though um days on end doing puzzles i think i must have done about <laughs> 20 odd puzzles i became so good at them because i had a really strong method you always start with the corners you've got to do your organization <laughs> at the very very start all the pieces need turning over you need to get your corners in place and then color code it a bit you know according to the picture yeah. um, <laughs> How big? Like, you t- we're talking 500? Oh, no. 1,000? 1,000 to 2,000. Come, Come on, this is Premier League Sorry. level puzzle, puzzle doing. Sorry. Have you got one of those um, mats? I haven't, got, I haven't got a mat, but I did change the, the, the room, so making sure that the table was actually directly <laughs> above yeah. the, the main light yeah. so I could really see. Because I was going into the night, like, 1am, I'd still be doing, doing the puzzle. Oh. And then I got my friend into it over voice note, and she introduced me to the ultimate puzzle, which was an all-white puzzle. Oh. So just... Oh, that sounds... It what? blows your mind. That is hardcore. It was so hard. There were a few tears and some real frustration, <laughs> but I got... I, I must have a picture somewhere. I'll exchange you the picture for the care package. Um, but that was that was a real highlight for me during the pandemic, yeah. Do you know what I'm hearing, Michelle, as you're saying that? I'm, I'm hearing either new, new YouTube channel, which will definitely take off, or TV pitch. That's a TV pitch, because I think that'd be quite a calming... What, like Joy relax- of Painting? Yeah. The Joy yeah, of Puzzles? I think, yeah. quite, I think people would watch that. I'd you watch could be that. the new... Yeah, the new Bob Harris. And what you would it be? Like, do- just like me on a time-lapse... Just doing a white puzzle. Doing a white puzzle, just but yeah, talking through it, maybe talking through how you're feeling. I think yeah, you uh, need to yeah techniques. Techniques at the start. Techniques at the start. Do the corners first. You need to know on Drag Race where they have the confessionals or like a post-match interview. It's then cutting to you going, "Well, I really struggled with the first corner, but it was the moment where I found the extra little piece that I realised." Then you cut back and you show the action, maybe slow motion replay. I really like that, and it's the element of jeopardy as well and you've just got to have that <laughs> yeah. real realness of it the drama the drama when yeah. i'm getting frustrated yeah. and i'm crying yeah. y- you've got to show that exactly because this is all a part of exactly. no one no one understands you know the plight of a puzzle <laughs> puzzle doer um so yeah, I, I yeah think, what are you a puzzler what is what's the oh yeah is it a puzzle, Puzz- puzzle goer pu- well i am a puzzler because i do arrow words as well i'm obsessed with arrow okay. words um, but that's a whole different story 
maybe for another there's time. Be some, there's be there'd be some conventions that you can visit and stuff. I should imagine. Perhaps. I mean, when I get into kind of puzzling and I'm learning French at the minute, so there's there's an app that I go on that kind of gives you all these quizzes and puzzles that you do, and I can I'm at the top of the league on that. I've got <laughs> two thousand odd points. The person in seconds only got four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you are you good at languages and picking up languages? I, I'm terrible. I enjoy languages. languages. Um, I did French and German at, at, at school. I got an A star in German GCSE, and I don't remember any of it because <laughs> I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I remember my German teacher was very annoyed with me because I didn't continue it to A level. But I just, I kind of it was like rote learning, you know, like memorize a passage just mm. and then just regurgitate it on paper, and then mm. I'll get the grade. But for me, I really enjoy French. Um, I wasn't as good at it in school, but I have French lessons every Sunday morning um, with a tutor on on Zoom and do all my homework. Um, Yeah, I'm really getting into it. And hopefully when we can travel again, I'll have the confidence to, you know, speak a bit more. Because when you go to France, you know, I've tried before. Mm. And if if you're not, you know, getting with it, then people will reply back to you in English. So I want to get to the (laughs) point where I actually sound (laughs) French. Yeah. You know, it's making a bit more sense. Yeah, but the only way to do that is to go to the country, any language. You've got That's to go it. there and just immerse yourself, really. And, exactly. And there's no substitute for doing that. Um, Michelle, I've just realised you, you've got to go in a bit, haven't you? I think you're on a I have. Time. I've, got, yeah. I've got voiceover for a, a new series that I'm doing with my mum, so... Oh, fantastic. Heading over to London. And then you've got to pitch the puzzling series as well, so obviously you need then, to... Work well, I really need to factor that in. <laughs> I'll do a bit of self-talk in the mirror beforehand as well. <laughs> you can do... You can do this. Stop, stop feeling anxious. You're a, you're you're a, a puzzler. You're a puzzler at heart. <laughs> Maybe I'll say it in French. <laughs> Just to really get myself going. Puzzler. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. It's been such a treat to talk to you. Thank thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. It's it's perked up my Thursday morning. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Well, likewise. Yeah. No, it's lovely to, to have a proper conversation with you. So thank you. Definitely. Cheers, guys. Michelle Ackley on The Blank Podcast. What a fantastic guest. Lovely conversation. Really easy. Flowed along yeah. really quickly. Before I knew it, we were an hour in. I was like, oh, I saw the time. I thought, oh, Michelle's got to go by 11. Oh, we better wrap this up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what a, what a fantastic guest. And just a, a very, you can tell a very kind and thoughtful person that really sort of came across even on Zoom. And, uh, yeah, some, some fantastic advice, some lovely insight. And, you know, she shared a few sort of painful moments with us as well. And we do appreciate when our guests do that, uh, we hope it means they're they're feeling sort of comfortable and in a place to be able to do that. So yeah, Michelle, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, it was just a, a joy talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. It was really, 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 really lovely to talk to you and touch base. And yeah, I've got to know Michelle a bit over on Twitter, and yeah, she's just a really, really lovely person. Such a warm, 
personality and her energy is so great. So, yeah, it was lovely to have her on the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on and thanks for listening, everybody. Indeed. And you can tell, I think that's, you can tell us why she's been so successful in her career because to do what she does, you have to be warm and engaging and uh, be able to connect to people really quickly, I think, especially if you're doing sort of live TV and, and you can tell that she's really good at that. So, that, And as I said on the pod, that is a, it's a hard skill. I've done a little bit of presenting live TV. It's unbelievably difficult. And I think people that make it look easy like she does, I think have got a real a real skill for that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was lovely talking to her. Um, but that, Giles, brings to the end another episode. Episode one... I don't know what it is. 133, do you say 130? No, it's much higher than that. Oh, my word. I'm actually losing count of, of all our episodes. We're well on the way to 150. Have uh, we got anything planned for 150? Are we going to do anything special? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll have a great guest on, I'm sure. We always do. We but always there won't be do. anything actually. Shall I bring something? Party poppers or something? Or, um, I'll cake? save that for. I'd save that for the episode 200. 200. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll make a cake for 200. If yeah. any of our listeners are good at making cakes, <laughs> in about I, a year. I'm, oh, yes, I'm yeah. I'm right making cakes. Yeah, I can make a cake. So, in about a year and a half. Oh, what do I like? Uh, make a carrot classic cake. Victor- carrot cake. Okay, make Victoria Sponge. Victoria Sponge. Can't go coffee, wrong. Coffee walnut. Coffee. No, not coffee. Not a coffee fan, really. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll drink, mind, I'll you drink you a black coffee once throughout the day maybe in the morning but anything with coffee flavour in it biscuit anything like biscuit quality street mm. anything like that can't can't abide it interesting yeah sorry lemon drizzle oh yes <laughs> so I went okay. a bit Churchill dog then oh, didn't I yeah you did you did <laughs> oh yes oh, lemon drizzle definitely <laughs> okay that's two going, reasons that's good tastes nice and it's a really it's probably the most fun to say of all the cakes lemon drizzle yeah Drizzle. Drizzle. Drizzle is a good word. It's a great word. Is it onomatopoeic? I suppose it is. Drizzle. Drizzle. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. We are really pushing our luck with this chat. <laughs> I, think we should, I think we should wrap up and thank our listeners. Thank our patrons as well. Thank yes, you so much. If you for want your some extra support. content, you can get it. Indeed. Um, and we, yeah, patreon.com forward slash blank podcast. Uh, Every guest we have, we have extra content just for our patrons. So thank you uh, so much. If you signed up, we love you. And uh, we your names are in the show notes as well. So um, you're, part, you're part of the pod team. You're part of what mm. makes this pod special. So thank you. And thank you, Giles, for just being you. And you, Jim. And... and... <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit again if people listen to it where you realise that we are not the professional Michelle was a professional we are not the professionals uh, the fact we managed to get through most podcasts without stumbling over our words and uh, yeah moments like oh, that is, is a miracle really I think I do stumble over my words every podcast apologies I didn't notice that not being professional broadcasters I don't think you but, do you I, know. Know. I didn't know well, I didn't notice that so yeah just that post-match analysis again isn't it yeah well, there you go well I'm mm. off to go and do some post-match analysis now of this so <laughs> I'm sure what I, I should actually I do I would say with blank it's the, it's the thing I do the least analysis for actually because I have such a nice time doing care. the pod <laughs> <laughs> I actually it's it's so enjoyable because I do other podcasts and they I, I feel like I feel like we yeah, I analyse them I hate them I hate them yeah. the worst no I've, I don't know but the blank is so f- enjoyable and I find it very easy mm. yeah I sort of have less anxiety attached to it weirdly that's good yeah. It's a good thing. Then the guests help. When the guests come on and they're just as nice as Michelle was, which basically all our guests are, mm. it just makes... Whereas the guests on the other podcast, oh my God, they are the worst. They're not. They're lovely. <laughs> Stop talking, Jim, and wrap the podcast up.
Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to our patrons. Why am I thanking everyone again? Goodbye. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>